As most of you know that uh, Rob is doing a series on the lectionary, not on the lectionary, preaching with the lectionary, those passages that have been decided since ancient times to go through the scripture in three years and cover all the basic themes. And so we are on year B, I believe, in the lectionary. And it just so happens that in the lectionary that we stay for three weeks in the Gospel of John chapter 6. That's very unusual. Usually you just get, you know, one part of a chapter and then you move on to some other part of the, of the particular book. This time we have three. And so I feel like two weeks ago Rob preached on uh, Christ as the bread of heaven. And so I think that now it is my turn. We are still there, but we're at the end of John chapter 6. And it's my chance to correct what he told you. <laughs> you may remember that sermon. I call it the infamous Twinkie sermon. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure what he was comparing the Twinkie to. Actually, I thought it was very, very clever and, and very, uh, very helpful. But when he listens to this, then he'll see that I'm giving him some you know, <laughs> difficulty. And that's my job. So anyway, so we're in John chapter 6, but at the end of it, uh, a few years after Wendy and I were married, we had a wonderful opportunity, uh, just a thrilling opportunity to host a pastor from Malawi in Africa. I don't know if you're aware of Malawi, where it is in Africa, but it's in central eastern Africa. It's called the Switzerland of uh, Africa because it's mountainous. And there was a program in the denomination, the Presbyterian Church in the United States, that would bring over third world pastors. <clears throat> it's a very poor country, by the way, one of the poorest in Africa. Not the, but one of the poorest. They would bring pastors from third world countries. They would live then with a pastor or parishioners in a church and minister alongside the pastor. And that opportunity was afforded us. And so we had a pastor from Malawi by the name of Addison Kankami. <coughs> come and live with us. And one of the things that he wanted to do is he said he wanted to go to Fuller Seminary. Now, he had no idea that length of California. We were in Northern California, 70 miles north of Sacramento, and he wanted to go to Fuller because some of his colleagues in Malawi had gotten degrees there, and he wanted to go and see it. So I told him, sure, we can do that. We can arrange it. It's a long ways, but we'll make it happen. And I said to him, well, while we're there, we'll go to Disneyland. <laughs> and he said, what's Disneyland? <laughs> so I said, well, you know, it's kind of like a theme park. And he said, what's a theme park? And Wendy and I tried to explain to him what Disneyland was like. And he couldn't get the concept. He spoke very good English. But it was as though we were speaking a different a dialect than he was. Because you see, there, there are many overlaps and lapping pieces of our life experiences, but this is one that didn't overlap. And he had no experience in a place like Disneyland and never heard of it. So I said, okay, you're just going to have to trust us, Edison, that this will be a wonderful experience. So we did. We drove down to Fuller. We spent a day there. He got to talk to professors and so on and see the school. And the next day, then, we traveled down to Disneyland. 
And he had some anxiety, a little bit of trepidation, because he didn't know what he was getting into. We walked in, we saw the train above as we entered, and then we walked into Main Street, and he stopped, and he looked around, and he said, I think this is a quite good place. <laughs> the rest of the day was, here, take my picture so I can show my children. Aww. That was one of the most, uh, I didn't know it was so touching to me. <laughs> but thrilling experiences of my life to see this man enjoying something so completely that he had no knowledge of. Well, in John chapter 6, we have that same kind of dynamic. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. And the people say back to him, yeah, we want that bread. Give us some more. And Jesus says, well, you're just asking some more of that physical bread. They were on speaking different dialects. They were on differing levels. You see, he was talking on a spiritual level. And they were on the physical level. You'll see that dichotomy as we read our passage of Scripture. And our Scripture is, as I said, John <clears throat> chapter 6, but we'll be reading the end of the chapter. First of all, verse 35 and then verses 51 through 58. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews debated among themselves, asking, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? You see what plane that he's on? They are on, and Jesus is on. Jesus said to them, I assure you, <clears throat> unless you eat the flesh of the human one, that is normally translated, but in CEB, the Common English Bible, translated the, the human one, and other translations it's called the Son of Man. <clears throat> so I assure you, unless you eat the flesh of the human one or the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me lives because of me. This is the bread that came down from your ancestors. This isn't like the bread your ancestors ate, and then they died. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So you may be wondering, okay, so if you're not going to have the Twinkie sermon, what is this bread of life about? Well, as we have read, and you may have seen, I'm going to raise this up, there we go. So we have similar questions like the people who are feeding the 5,000. What is this bread of heaven? What is this living bread, the bread of life? What's Jesus talking about here? Well, I want to tell you that I think we'll see in our, in our text 
that we just read, that it's a gift. It is the gift of eternal life, and it is a gift that feeds our core. So it's, first of all, it's a gift. Jesus wanted to teach spiritual values and concepts, so he used familiar things that were, the th things were familiar to the people, like bread, things that they would know, and then he used those and expanded them from the physical into the spiritual realm. So he took what was familiar and he used it, such as bread. Now John has Jesus often doing miracles and he calls them signs. In the Gospel of John, whenever he does a miracle, John says not a miracle, he says it was a sign. And it's a sign because it's pointing to something other than itself. And he says of, of this particular passage that Jesus took bread and that's a sign, then, of a spiritual reality that's talking about who Jesus is. And so, remember that he fed the 5,000 at the beginning of this uh, chapter, chapter 6. And so now he does an extended teaching that we've come to the end of. And he said, just as I fed you with spirit, physical bread, I am the bread of life. Now he's changing. He's pointing to who he is as a person He's shifting the metaphor from bread to point to himself as the person, as God who gives a spiritual nourishment. And this spiritual nourishment he's talking about is a gift. It's a gift to us. And all we have to do is accept it. Just like the people in the feeding of the 5,000, they would never have gotten... Remember, they were there, they were out in a wilderness area by, away from any towns where they had to travel long distances to be there. They'd been there one day and then they came back another day listening to Jesus. They haven't had anything to eat. The disciples couldn't go to 7-Eleven or they couldn't go to Trader Joe's and get more food. Jesus had to feed them. So they found a young man who had five loaves. And when they speak of loaves, they're not talking loaves this side, the hollow bread here but small loaves like this. Five loaves, two fish. And Jesus multiplied it until there was, after everybody was satisfied, they had 12 baskets left over. So Jesus feeds the people and then he begins uh, talking about what that means and you, they had to receive that food and eat it. In the same way, Jesus is talking about himself as the bread of life that gives us eternal life. We have to receive it because it's a gift. It's not something we earn or achieve. It's given us as a gift. John Calvin wrote this. Faith alone is, so to say, the mouth and the stomach of the soul. So if we're going to feed the soul, we take the food that Jesus gives us. We receive it. It's not dependent upon the strength of our faith, the quality of our faith. Martin Luther has an analogy he uses to try to emphasize this point. He says, imagine that a person is given 100 gold coins. They have those gold coins. And they can put them in a ratty, old, moth-eaten, woolen sack. Because at the time of Martin Luther, the only cloth they had, basically, they had flax 
uh, it was linen, they had some linen, but mostly everything was made out of wool. So they can have an old ratty wool bag that's moth-eaten. And they can put his hundred or her hundred coins, golden coins in there, or in a steel or a metal box with a lock on it. And he says, the truth here is, it doesn't matter what bag you put them in, or what box, the truth is that you, or the person given those hundred coins, has the coins. And what Luther wants to say there is, accepting the gift of God and Jesus Christ as the bread of heaven is a gift to us. It's not about our faith. It's not about the quantity of our faith, the quality of our faith. You may be one of those people where you've heard people say, you know, I'm, I'm really not a very religious person. And, you know, I, I, this faith thing, I, I don't have much faith. I, I, you know, I just can't really believe this stuff. And um, so, you know, I don't think I could have that, that gift because I don't have the faith. It's a gift. It's not dependent upon us. <laughs> One of the wonderful things about the Christian faith that makes it unique from all other world religions is that our salvation is given to us as a gift of God. And when God gives us a gift, he gives us the faith to believe. So it's dependent on the giver, not upon the receiver. All we need to do is acknowledge that when the gift is made available, and accept it. So it's a gift. Regardless of the strength and the weakness of your faith, God enables us to accept it. So Jesus is the eternal bread of life, a gift we receive. But it's also a gift of eternal life. In a phrase, Jesus is the bread of life, is the giver of eternal life. One of the strongest desires of the human is to live forever. And one of our greatest fears is death. Years ago, I read one of the most profound books that I ever read. It's called The Dial of Death by Ernest Becker. And the theme of the book, to simplify it, I mean, it's a very, very complex book, and, and, and it's not a simple subject. But the theme of the book is that the fear of death is the core of our psychological disturbances and our motivations for life. So our fear of death motivates us to create cultural systems that deny death. And there's many of those. But just one example, the entertainment industry. The entertainment industry, among other things, one of the things that the entertainment industry does is help us forget for a moment this fear we have of death. It helps us uh, forget that death bats a thousand, that no one is immune. Not only are there cultural ways that we try to deny it, but we develop our own personal coping mechanisms to live with this anxiety caused by certain death. 
And it can be almost anything that we put our lives on, that we focus on, that becomes the center of our life. It may be spending all of our time at work. It may be the desire to have, have respect in the community. It may be having great kids. And all of your time is devoted simply to the family. Nothing wrong with it. These are all good things. But when overdone, they can become the denial of death. You see, what God's gift of eternal life to us does, it helps us in the face of death to be more secure. Now, here's a truth that I learned a couple years ago that's become very important in my personal faith and, and theology. That's this. If the last step is secure, then the next to last steps can be taken in confidence. You get that? If the last step is secure, if we know with a certainty because Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe, has told us it's true, if we know that the, that the step at death is no longer terminal, but it's transitional, that it moves us from life through death into a dimension that we can't even imagine. To a life that we have, we have no way to even compare it. But new dimensions we didn't know existed. A life where we're centered on God, where we rule with God, where we live in the new creation that God has created. We live in joy and peace and eternal rest. And you can go on and on and you still don't capture it. If we have the certainty that that last step is taken care of, we can take all the intervening steps before that moment with greater security and lessened anxiety. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. This is a gift that gives us a very clear and positive and certain core. We've all heard that physiologically the center of our body is our core and we're told that if we want true health and if we want fitness we have to exercise our core right I've been doing that, I've been exercising my core and uh, it's working because it seems to be expanding <laughs> <laughs> so we exercise the core of our faith, the, the gift of God and then death no longer has as Paul says, its sting. It isn't the scary boogery man that it used to be. Sure, it's sad. When someone we die and we love dies, we grieve. And if we're faced with a terminal illness personally, that's a very scary and frightening thing. But you see, as I said, if we trust in the bread of life to give us the gift of eternal life, then death becomes not terminal, but transitional. It's not the end of the line. It's switching to a previously unknown track. It's the beginning of life in a new dimension. It is life with the Lord of creation. It is life with Jesus eternally. Not so much that we receive all of these things, it's not so much that it's pie in the sky when you die by and by. It is that. 
but it's a promise of a life of joy and presence with God. When our children were five and eight, I had a three-month sabbatical, and we traveled with them in Europe for three months. Uh, two months traveling to 13 countries in Europe, and the, the third month was they did a pulpit exchange with a pastor in Ireland where I went, we lived in their house, had their car, I preached in church on Sunday, and he went to, at the time we were in Mendocino, and he went to Mendocino and lived in our house and had our car, and so on. And it, it was a wonderful experience. But if you're traveling that much, 13 countries in two months, things can get a little tense. And there were times when the children just had had it and they had meltdowns and, uh, and they didn't want to continue and so on. So Wendy and I thought, what, what can we do about this? What, how can we uh, solve this problem? And so what we did is we set certain behavioral guidelines, parameters for the kids. And we said, if you do these, we will go to Euro Disney for two days. So, it worked. <laughs> we put out a giant carrot instead of using a stick. And it worked. So we went to Euro Disney for a couple days. They had been to Euro Disney before they had ever been to Disneyland. <laughs> so, uh, it worked. God has given us a gift of life eternal and its values and qualities. So we live with this positive reinforcement, a giant carrot, because here's what comes in the extenuation of our life to come, a continuation. But here's the point I want you to get. It's not so much about the carrot. It's not about the stick. It's about this truth that the qualities of that life, that dimension that we can't even imagine, enter into this life and shape and form and sculpt how we live in the present. So it's not just about pie in the sky when you die. It is that, but it's more about the fact that God's eternal values come to us and shape us and help us to live in the present with these eternal values. When we live in the promise and hope of life eternal, the life to come is displayed in how we live in the present. And if we are living by heavenly values, the kingdom of God values, we are living with purpose, with focus, with gratitude, and we have a very solid core. Because the bread of heaven is feeding us at that core. Now, you may be saying, whoa, 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 Dale, wait a minute. This is a lot that you're laying on us. I mean, I want the, the, the eternal life given by the bread of heaven, the Jesus, but I don't know if I can have a core that is well-toned, is toned, is toned by the exercise of heavenly values, a, a center whereby I am centered, not just for the present, but for the future as well. I'm not sure that's possible. And I say, yes, it is. And you know why? 
Because God gives you health. You remember I said that it's a gift that God gives us, and all we have to do is receive it, but God gives us the faith to exercise, to trust in for that. So this is a gift, and it's a, a gift of eternal life, and it's a gift of eternal life that feeds our core. And so, yes, you can be fed, because this text that we read is a sacramental text. When we read it, did you think of communion? Well, it's because John is presenting the fact that Jesus started communion. Now, the other three Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke, they all have the upper room experience where Jesus establishes the Lord's Supper. John does not have that in his Gospel, and so many scholars believe that this is that event. He doesn't call it that. But he's using John chapter 6 and the dialogue that, that follows as a way to say that Jesus is, is establishing the Lord's Supper. So listen to some of the language here. When he's feeding the 5,000, tell me if this does not sound like the words of institution at the beginning of communion. In John 6, chapter, uh, verse 11, then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. And then at the beginning of the Lord's Supper, the pastor, when we do communion, does what we call the words of institution. And those come right out of Scripture to remind us what this table is all about. So listen to Matthew uh, chapter 26, verses 26 and 28, uh, and listen to these words. At the beginning of the Lord, I already said, he took bread. After blessing it, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he, say, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So there we have the wording, which is very much like the ending of chapter 6 in John where he tells us as he's establishing this communion. It has been said that baptism is, is Jesus' commanded initiation sacrament and the Lord's Supper is Jesus' commanded continuation sacrament. So he gives us the Lord's Supper as a way to feed our core, to feed the center of our life, so as we come to the, the table of the Lord's Supper, our core is strengthened. Now, we may have paper brag kind of faith that doesn't hold our gold coin securely, but we can have that metal box faith because it's the Lord through the table that gives us faith to believe and to exercise the core. It gives meaning to life. It focuses at centers. It reorients us. Dale Bruner, in his commentary on the Gospel of John, wrote this. The Lord's Supper is a repeated altar call to ongoing conversion, to fresh recommitment, and his entrustment of oneself to the Lord Jesus Christ, the bread of life. 
So friends, you can have the gift of eternal life that feeds your core. So every first Sunday of the month, make sure you're here to participate in Holy Communion because it's a place where we're fed at the center of our lives. And as I like to say, it's where he feeds us in the depths of our souls until we want no more. So you have been offered a gift, a gift of eternal life. It's yours for the taking. Reach out and accept the gift. And then may that gift strengthen your spiritual core. May the values and the qualities of the life to come be witnessed in your life in the present. So to ensure that your blessed hope of eternal life with God is present, come to the table and let him feed you.